Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're in the middle of our Vision Builder Month, and uh, this is where we invite members of our church to consider being involved with helping to shoulder the load for uh, projects in this church, including this building, and saying, yeah, I don't want to just be a consumer, I want to be a person who's helping to carry that load. And we're going to hear from one of our church members today, uh, the very handsome Roger Griffith. Let's welcome Roger. No, I don't. I do not. Anyway. Hi all. Um, look, it's with gratitude that I was invited up here. Um, truly honoured to, um, to share my perspective as to why I support this church and the Vision Builder program. Uh, since I started coming to this church regularly for a few years, I have witnessed the Holy Spirit inspiring people to come to worship to participate in and contribute to the church's growth in this place. Growth in the church and its programs, including the outreach ones like C3 Beyond, require tangible resources as well as willing souls. Light bulbs, planting, um, plumbing and chairs, repairs don't just happen by themselves. And I am more than happy to contribute to whatever it takes to keep this wonderful building and its kingdom building programs uh, alive and growing. With God's divine help, a little can go a long way and a little more can go even further. Believe it. Um, And that is why, without trying to blow my own trumpet... By the way, who blows trumpets anymore? I haven't seen one here. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, there's room. I've got good breath in the lungs. Anyway, um, that is why, um, yeah, so I'm increasing my pledge this year. It's it's a certain amount per month and it's going up, of course. Um, But, yeah, look, for some it's not easy. The world keeps banging on about um, cost of living issues and rising interest rates and that. And and it's true for some people. But I believe I have some capacity to build that up. The Lord is still in control. The Lord provides, as, as Paul mentioned. And I can thoroughly testify to that fact. He has helped me through my dark times. So it is um, the least I can do to show my gratitude. And thank you. Thank you, Roger. That's great. Good. Salesman. Our church is built by everyday, ordinary people. Uh, who make room for God in their budget. Awesome. Thank you, band. Let's give the band a clap. Doing a great job. Need the bass guitar down a bit lower, I think. Need to get the bass down right around the knees, I think, next time. Yeah. Hey, imagine if uh, it's discovered that there's a slave trade going on 
bringing, uh, involving Asian families being taken to a very rich uh, Middle Eastern city and being forced to do all the construction for hardly any money, if at all. And then it's found out that there's families involved with this and they've been doing it for more than one generation. And then imagine that you're tapped on the shoulder to go and to take this group back to their ancestral land and help them set up government, help them set up life as ex-slaves. What sort of difficulties would you encounter? What sort of difficulties would they encounter? There'd be some physical difficulties, but there'd be more mental and emotional difficulties that would out, outweigh all the physical issues of years of hardship. Because you can take someone out of slavery and then you've got to retrain the slavery out of their mind. Because these are the sorts of things that the attitudes and the mindsets that they're going to have. Number one, I think, and well, according to research into ex-prisoners and ex-slaves, number one thing, anxiety, a fear. How am I going to cope? How can I survive? Where's the food going to come from? Where's the water? Where's the clothes? What, who's going to pay for this? What's it all? Where's it all going to happen? There's just a deep-seated anxiety. Because I've had all my food has been delivered to me in little packages every day. I haven't had to make that decision. I've just, it's been reliable and predictable. And now you're taking me away from that? It leads to some fear. Anxiety, because... All they've ever known is that today is going to be a really bad day. I could get killed at work. I could be really badly injured at work today. I don't know how I'm going to come home. Anxiety. And they leave the slavery with that anxiety. What's today going to be like? This is all new. The authority figure hates me. I've only ever known authority figures to hate me. That's a mindset. It's a slavery mindset. I can't trust anyone in charge. They don't have my interest in heart. They only care about what I do. If I don't do it, I get hurt. And I'm constantly being told to do things I don't want to do. I am on my own. The second area after anxiety is that they have, slaves have a sense of no control over their life. It's not my life, it just belongs to the boss. In fact, there's no such thing as truth. Truth is just whatever the boss says. That's the truth. I don't have to think for myself. I don't have control over the choices. I can't plan a future. I have a welfare mentality a welfare mentality says someone else is organizing everything someone else is going to pay for everything it's just whatever happens i'm just floating around waiting to be told welfare mentality doesn't doesn't say 
I have to do something. I have to take initiative. In fact, that's the third thing. No plans, no dreams. It's a childishness. It's a total dependency on someone else. No positive expectation. Life is against me. Everything is against me. The system is against me. Must be something wrong with me. This is just who I am. I'm never going to have a life like what I hear about. It's a poverty mentality says, I don't deserve a good life. I just have this life and I'm stuck with it. It's fatalistic. Whatever happens, happens. And the fourth thing, emotional numbness. What is the point of trying? What is the point of, of having an idea and trying it when it's, I'm always slapped down? And over time, over many, many slaps, you lose the fight. You, you just become a, a machine, less than human. I'll just keep doing it like it's always been done. At least I'll get fed. I'll have a little bit of sleep and we won't have any trouble. I don't want to cause any trouble. Well, that is all slave thinking. And we need to ask ourselves, how is our slave thinking? Today, keep asking yourself, does any of that apply to me? Does that apply in any area of my life? Am I thinking more like a slave or, that, or a free person? Because God took the people of Israel who'd been in slavery for 400 years, generations of that kind of thinking. And he said, I'm going to make you into the most central human family of history because I'm going to, I've already decided that my son is going to come to earth through you. He chose slave thinkers. In fact, he's a specialist at taking slave thinkers and turning them into masters of their own lives, turning them from slaves into free people, totally free. That's God's specialty. He says, I don't care how bad you think you are. I can do something amazing with you. I can turn your life into something beautiful. And that's what he did with the people of Egypt. How did he cope with their anxiety, their lack of choice, destiny, planning, positive dreaming, and their no-fight attitude? What would you do? Well, this is what he did. Number one, he told them and he showed them that he was with them. I am with you. I'm going to be with you on this journey. And just to prove it, here's a massive spinning tornado with cloud nearly covering the whole sky, coming down and covering you guys from the, from the scorching heat every day. That cloud represents me. And at night, that cloud is going to glow and it's going to keep the whole, there's going to be a little bit of warmth for the whole of the camp. And it's going to represent me. I don't know if you've seen the AI generated image of that cloud. You can, see, you can Google it. It's quite good. It's, all, it's moving. And you see the spinning of it. It's awesome. So God said, I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. 
And a bit of their anxiety started to change, as he knew it would. And then the fear about food and clothing. He said, okay, let's take that right out of the equation. I'm going to give you manna every day. So you don't have to worry about food. That is it. Forget about food. That food's going to be there. And he provided food for them. It's interesting that he... It's more of a choice thing. I'll get back to that. Remind me to talk about the manna and the, in the next point. He also provided water out of a big rock. Enough water to feed a million people means it's like a river just blasting out of there. You ever seen the water come out of Scrivener uh, Dam when they opened the floodgates? It was like that. We had to have 500,000 people on each side of this mighty long river getting enough water day after day. So don't worry about food. Don't worry about water. And it says here in Deuteronomy 29 verse 5, For 40 years I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. So don't worry about clothing either, because I'm going to supernaturally make it so your clothes stay strong and beautiful every day. The beautiful bit was for the ladies. Guys wear the same thing for 40 years anyway. And the ladies probably would be saying to their husbands in the tent, well, he could have given us a couple of different sets of clothes. He protected them, he destroyed their enemy in a mighty flood and he made it very clear that he was with them and the anxiety started to melt away. Slave thinking started to drift away. Second thing, he started giving them a choice, mentioned the manna. He said, oh yeah, I'm going to provide all the food for you and now I spoke to one of the army guys, do, 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 do. and he, he said, uh, when, um, when he's out on, uh, after being out on trip, Daniel will relate to this as well, uh, out on the, in the field recently, it's like, just give me some food, give me anything, I don't care what it is, just give it to me and I'll eat it. You know, these uh, gum trees are starting to look pretty good. But God said to them, I'm going to provide you with food every day, but don't take more than you need. Don't take double supply because you're not sure what's going to be there tomorrow. Trust me, there will be some tomorrow. And if you do take extra, it's going to go off overnight. So don't even bother. So he's doing two things. Yes, I will provide for you, but you must trust me. It's going to be there again tomorrow. So he's starting to train them to have choice and reward their choice, their good choices. Can you see God was training the whole people to be a whole different sort of person. You're not a slave anymore. And then he said, now I want you to take responsibility for your decisions. And he laid it all out. If you do what I say, this is what you can expect. Blessing, 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 blessing. When you're going out, when you're coming in. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be a lender and not a borrower. If you do that. Or you can choose not to, and then this is what will happen. Horrible things. But the choice is up to you. He made the choice pretty obvious, but he still gave them the choice because he was training them out of slavery thinking and requiring them to come up a bit. Come on, take a bit of load. Get to a different place. Number three, they didn't have any vision. He gave them a vision. We're going to go to a promised land. I'm going to take you to a beautiful place. 
It's going to be full, it's going to be flowing with milk and honey, thereby endorsing the entire dairy industry. It's going to be beautiful. And, you go, and if you do what I say, I'm going to put a whole lot of legislation together for you to create a fantastic society where everyone can prosper and no one will be in, in lack. You know, their debts were completely acquitted every 50 years. Imagine that. All the people with a mortgage said, Amen. It's a bit of that. He said, Here's a vision. And he said, And I want you to put the tabernacle right in the middle of your camp. Put me in the center of your heart. And I want you to honor me. I want you to honor me with your money and your time. And when you do something wrong, I want you to be sorry about it. Sorry enough to take one of your prize animals that you've been working so hard to, to, to raise. And I want you to give it to me and, and kill it. Because I want you again to trust me more than you trust your possessions and your income. Training slavery out of, his, out of their minds. How's our slavery thinking going? And the last thing, they had no fight. Well, by the time they got to the promised land, it was the second generation. They'd been living a new way and they'd started to change. And God says, right now you're ready to take up arms, do something you've never done before as slaves. And that is fight. I want you to fight. You're going to have to fight. I'm not going to do it all for you. You're going to have to clear it yourself. But I'll be with you. And I'll give you victory. But I want you to do something. I don't want you to be a welfare person waiting for someone else to do it. No, you take up a, a sword. You take your wallet. You pay for some of this. How's that thinking going? Because we are exactly the same. God takes us out of the kingdom of darkness into his glorious light. And then he says, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because I need to take some of that kingdom of darkness out of you. I need to take some of that slavery out of you because you're thinking, still thinking like a slave. Especially in regard to money because it's the one thing Jesus says that competes with God more than anything else for our attention and for our faith. We're in a rich city and yet... We still worry about money. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 5. He basically said this. What do the blind need? I'm going to give it to them. Sight. What do the deaf need? I'm going to give it to them. Hearing. What do the lame need? I've got it for them. Walking. What do prisoners need? I'll give it to them. Freedom. What do the poor need? It's not money. They don't need money. Money will help. In our society, we keep helping people with... Does it help them? No. What does he say they need? They need the good news. They need to know the same thing, and you and I do, they need to know the same thing that those Israelites did. Fear not. God loves you. The number one thing, they need the good news, Jesus said. Money is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. It makes me lie down in Sheridan, Manchester. 
It leads me beside quiet holiday beaches in Queensland. It restores all my devices. It guides me in paths of purchases for my image's sake. No, no, money is not our shepherd. God is our shepherd. The number one thing that our slave thinking needs, and if you've got any anxiety in you, you need to remember this. God loves you. God saves you. God made you. God heals you. God will provide for you. God is with you. Fear not, for I am with you. That's going to change a poverty mind more than money. The authority figure that matters, the only authority figure who really matters, loves you. He doesn't hate you. He is for you, not against you. We let that change our slave thinking and the anxiety starts to drift away. Today I'm going to have a bad day becomes God's going to help me get through today. God is with me today. Whatever challenges I face, God is with me. And the anxiety of our slave thinking starts to drift away. Number two. If we don't feel like we have control of our future, of our life, we don't have choices, we don't have any options, no, no sense of being in charge of our own lives. The gospel says, the good news says, no, you are responsible to choose wisely what you do with your money, what you do with your life. We need to put God at the centre and honour him. We turn everything upside down. We put him as our first payment with our money, not our last payment. When we got, I, I, I first heard about tithing when I was about 17, been saved for about a year. And uh, just before church, an older guy said, I'm taking all the teenagers and we're going here, we're talking about money. And he started to talk about this sort of thing. And uh, I'd never heard it before. And he, he was the one who said, Malachi 3.10, he said, God wants you to test this. Test it. It's the only time God says test him. He says, test me and, and bring the tithe and see what happens. Because things open up. We've got so many people in our church who have the same testimony as Jess did last week. They try to give God money and they find it comes back some other way. They, they start tithing and then a promotion that they weren't expecting suddenly becomes a reality, or they have a job opportunity that arises, or whatever, God will find a way. Money is a very real way that we can say, I trust God, that's in. And we put him to the test when we got married and we haven't stopped. Started with 10% of our gross income because we didn't want to pay the tax to the government before we paid God. And after about 10 years, went up to a bit more and we thought, let's just make it formal. Let's just go to 15. So 15% and then some offerings on top of that, including uh, our 10% commitment to vision builders every year. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 28, verses 20 to 22, Jacob made this vow. 
If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, okay, he's only put four conditions there, just to make sure, understand God, I'm not doing this lightly. He says, then the Lord will certainly be my God. This memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshipping God and I will present to God a tenth of everything he ever gives me. That's before the law. That's before Moses wrote the law by about 500 years. It was purely Jacob's heart. He'd heard about his grandfather Abraham doing exactly the same thing to Melchizedek, presenting 10%. He said, well, if God's going to bless me so much, then I'm going to commit to this. And we look at the New Testament church, and Jesus took all of the law, because Moses put that in the law, he said, by the way, you've got to pay a tithe. And we say, well, we're New Testament Christians, the tithes don't apply, they're Old Testament. Yes, they are Old Testament law, and Jesus saves us from the law, but he doesn't save us from the spirit of the law. He saves us from all the rules and having to do stuff and feeling guilty when we haven't quite prayed hard enough or whatever. But he said, the, the law says don't commit murder. Well, I'm ratcheting at that up. And I'm telling you, you shouldn't have any nasty thoughts towards another person because it's the same thing. It's the same spirit. You shouldn't commit adultery, the, the law says. Well, I'm ratcheting that up. And I'm saying that you shouldn't even look at a woman with lust or vice versa. And so it's only natural that the New Testament Christians took the law on tithing and they ratcheted it up until they were sharing their possessions. They were very free with their money in the New Testament. Very free and generous with their money. And so I don't have any problem saying to you that 10% is a starting point. Heart is bigger than rules. Grace is bigger than law. Okay, no dreams. How's your dream life going? How's that uh, I don't deserve a good life attitude? Because if you have an I don't deserve a good life attitude, you have slave thinking. And God said to the people of Israel, I'm going to give you such an awesome life in the promised land. It won't be easy, but it'll be full of shalom. And shalom doesn't mean that God wants us all to be billionaires. What shalom means is that, that we would be wealthy in every aspect of our life. In our relationships, our workplace, our finances, our health, our mental health. God can take all of those things, mix them together, not to make some sort of soupy patchwork thing, but to make a beautiful artwork of our life. He says, I'm going to give you all you need and more than you need. I'm going to give you more than you ask for or think about. He promises to do that. He says, just trust me. Just put me at the middle and see what happens. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added and you have a rich life doesn't mean that everyone's going to own a yacht but it does mean that everyone in our church is going to have an awesome marriage the kids are going to be strong and healthy they're overcoming these challenges 
They're encouraging other people. They're welcoming new people. It's a rich, wealthy life. And number four, how's that fight going in you? How's that spirit of fight? Are you still, do you still have that ability to rise up and say, I'm not going to take that. I am going to push through. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to hope again. I'm going to try again. I've had several different business attempts and they haven't worked. I'm going to go again. Look at uh, Romans 8, 37. It says this. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Establish a plan. Get some help and advice. You know, some people have, excuse me, financial issues. Get some help and advice. Some people don't know and have a dream. They need to talk. You need to talk to people about that. We've got uh, Ray here who runs a financial um, seminar over a number of weeks, at least once a year. And he's helped people with their financial issues. There's always answers in Jesus, but we need to make a decision to fight. God's specialty is taking slaves and turning them into victors. He's taking slavery thinking and turning it into the mind of Christ. Building kingdom people who have a dream of what they can do for his kingdom. I can run a business. I can employ people. I can be the best employee at my work. I can help other people at work. I can give to the church in this way. I can take my share of the load. And I can believe that God has shalom for me, which is much, much more than peace. Let's close our eyes. And if you're someone here who has financial difficulty, then I ask you to take the bizarre, crazy, but biblical step of testing, tithing. Test it out. And if you know how successful that has been for you, then I invite you to make sure that you are shouldering some of the load. We have so many big plans for our church. Be part of that however God leads you. But the most important thing is that you need to be on this journey. You need to be in it. Some of us in this room are still in a kingdom of darkness. We're still prisoners to our own issues. Jesus wants always to set the prisoner free. I want to give you an opportunity today, if that's you, to ask him to release you by his power. He's got the key in his hand. He won it on the cross. When he rose from the dead, he said, I have conquered everything that is against you. I want to encourage you that your authority figure is for you. He loves you. There's nothing you can do to get into heaven. And there's no future ahead in eternity except darkness unless someone saves you. I invite you to ask Jesus to save you today.
and to be the person that you need to follow. So let's do that. Please, I invite you to say this prayer if you've never said it, and even if you have. Let's all say this together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to rescue me from my prison and slavery to sin. Thank you that he died for my sins. Please forgive me. Please put all my sin on him and set me free. And let me follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.